Welcome to Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded Podcast. Hosted by Irving Rich. The Glad Tidings of God and the Mystery of the Gospel. By James Boyd. The Word of the Glad Tidings. The instant we come to contemplate the peculiar nature of the present dispensation we find ourselves face to face with eternal counsel. It may be a strange thing to say, but it is nevertheless true, that the fall, and consequently utterly lost condition of man, furnished an opportunity for the fulfillment of all that God had purposed to accomplish when he brought this creation into existence. It would be very difficult to convince anyone that acknowledges the infinite wisdom and might of the Creator, that there was no object in view in bringing into existence the heavens and the earth, and filling them with creatures set in intelligent relationship with himself, or that when his work has been finished the universe will be other than that which he purposed it should be. Neither of these notions could be entertained by any sensible person that gave it a moment's consideration. It is said that man is moving slowly but surely upward from the sponge, the jellyfish, or the decapod, onward to deity itself. But it is the vain dream of a soul desirous to get rid of responsibility to God. Anything is grasped at and thought to be better than having to do with a holy and righteous God, who will render to every one according to his works. The madness of the creature, or the foaming of demons, is better than having to give account to God. What a relief it is to be brought out of this darkness into God's marvelous light. Let those who love the darkness wander in it. They prefer it to the light, because in it they can follow the desires of the flesh and of the mind, taking it for granted that responsibility to God is but a relic of barbarism, or a priestly bugbear. But their hatred of the revelation that God has graciously been pleased to give to us only increases our thankfulness for the fact that our God has opened our eyes to take in its glorious and life-giving beams. Man, set on the basis of responsibility, has ever been a failure. When innocent, he was unable to maintain himself in the place of blessing in which he was set by his Maker. With his eyes open to the enormity of his offense we grasped at Godhead, and fell under the power of death. The interdiction that was placed upon the tree of the knowledge of good and evil should not have been by him considered grievous, it was but a small tax levied by the giver upon such an immense estate. Had this single reservation not been made, it would have appeared as though God had given the whole earth away, and had left himself without claim upon it and Adam had abundance without it. He had all that a true heart could desire. But he fell, and he brought sin and death upon all his posterity. When this had all been manifested, God fell back upon his eternal counsel, and proceeded to carry out the great thoughts of his own heart without any help from the creature, fallen or unfallen. He manifests his word by means of the preaching, with which Paul says, he had been entrusted, Titus chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. His word is the expression of his thoughts, his purposes, his eternal counsels, in short, it is the revelation of himself in his nature. It began to come to light as soon as man had fallen, but very gradually while man was on his trial, and while God was dealing with him. In order to bring into evidence the need there was for his own intervention on his behalf, if any were to be saved from the righteous judgment, to which their sins had rendered them liable, and during that time promises were given through the prophets that the time was coming in which God would take up the work of redemption, and bring deliverance to men apart from their cooperation in any way whatever. And that he would do this by means of the Messiah who was promised to Israel, but who was to be his salvation to the ends of the earth, Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6, Acts chapter 13 verse 47. Therefore Paul tells the Romans that he was separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. In the past dispensations the gospel was in promise but it is so no longer, it is now preached, and where it places the believer is, according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. 
but is now made manifest by the appearing of Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, and has brought life and immortality, incorruptibility, to light through the gospel, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 to 11, life as to our spiritual relations with God, and incorruptibility with respect to our bodies. The former we know now, for we live to God in the life of Christ, and for the latter we await his coming again. This corruptible shall then put on incorruptibility, and this mortal shall put on immortality, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 53. All the activities of God are by his word. As to creation, he spake, and it was done, Psalm chapter 33 verse 9, the worlds were framed by the word of God, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, and, upholding all things by the word of his power, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. By that word, the creation subsists, and without it, it would have no existence. Hence he who is the living word is ever said to be the creator, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, John chapter 1 verses 3, 10, Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 to 17. When here on earth he cast out devils, and healed all manner of diseases by his word. He raised the dead, silenced the raging of the sea, and made the winds obedient to his will. His word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, and by means of this his enemies are slain, Isaiah chapter 11 verse 4, Revelation chapter 19 verse 21. It is also the means by which a generation of God is produced upon earth. The preaching of the gospel is likened to a sower that went forth to sow. The seed is the word of God. It is the vital copula between the soul and God. It produces a new nature, that which is born of the spirit is spirit, John chapter 3 verse 6. Just as that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is produced is always of the same nature as that which produces it. The believer is born of God, 1 John 0.5.1. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth, James chapter 1 verse 18. His word is the expression of himself. It is what he is, because it is his word. When God speaks he gives expression to what he is, and it could not be otherwise, for his word is truth. No distinction can rightly be made between himself and the revelation which he has made to man, for that revelation is the revelation of himself. Hence to be born of the word of God is to be born of God. It is the truth, and nothing else is. The books written on theological subjects are legion, but not one of them is the truth. They are every one of them defective, for the best and purest of them is only what the writer has learned concerning the truth. And though they may be very useful as a means of turning the soul to the fountain of the truth itself, they are but human writings, disfigured by many a spot and blemish. And to make such a standard of faith would be destructive to the soul. Though mingled with a great many hypocritical utterances, it is in the main true as regards man, that when he speaks he gives expression to that which he is. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, Matthew chapter 12 verse 34. Hence we read, their throat is an open sepulchre, with their tongues they have used deceit, the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, Romans chapter 3 verses 13 to 14. All these things come out of the heart, the seat of life, and they defile the man, Matthew chapter 15 verse 18. These things manifest what he is, and they come forth out of the mouth. We are born again by the living word of God. Hence where new birth is, their life is, it is the principle of life in the soul. This in itself does not bring a man into Christianity, for Old Testament saints were all born of God, and they were viewed dispensationally as in the flesh, and a Christian is not in the flesh, but in the spirit, Romans chapter 8 verse 9. But where the word has been heard, and has been received, and has taken root in the soul, a new nature is the result, and that nature is divine. The one in whom the word has thus taken root is a child of God, he is born of the incorruptible, living, and abiding word of God, the link between his soul and God has been formed. 
The gospel is the word of truth, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, and of that gospel Paul was not ashamed, it was the power of God to salvation to everyone that believed, Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It speaks in the ears of men declaring a saviour God. It opens the blind eyes to his abounding grace. It reveals his gracious attitude toward all men. It makes no demand upon the poor bankrupt sinner. It tells men not what they should be, but what God is. If the word fall into the heart of the careless multitude, the devil, who is ever watchful, has no difficulty in taking it away. If it fall into the hard and stony heart that has never felt the gravity of sin against God, there may be joy for a little, but the frown of the world will swiftly cause it to wither away. If it fall into a heart filled with the cares and riches of this world, it will presently be choked. If it fall into a heart that has been alarmed by the prospect of judgment to come, it is likely to take root there. And no power in the universe can prevent its springing up to the salvation of the soul. But it is not only that by which we are born again, it is also the food of the believer's soul. As newborn babes we are to desire the sincere milk of the word, that by it we may grow up to salvation, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2, new translation, that is, to the complete emancipation of the soul from every evil thing that would hold it in bondage. The prophet could say, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16. The word is the food of our spiritual being as natural bread is the food of our bodies. That which is fed with the bread that perishes will itself perish, but that which is fed with the bread of life, the bread that comes down from heaven, will live forever, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 13, John chapter 6 verses 58, 63. We are apt to imagine that all that is required is to have the body well nourished with natural bread, and forget that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, Luke chapter 4 verse 4. It is the means by which we are kept from defiling influences in our passage through this unclean world, Psalm chapter 119 verse 9. It searches us, probes to the center of our moral being, discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, warns us when there is the least deviation from the path of righteousness, and cheers our hearts with the bright prospect of arriving at the rest that remains for the people of God. It opens heaven to our spiritual vision, it surrounds our earthly pilgrim pathway with light divine, and it sheds its light into the very belly of hell giving us to appreciate the grace that has delivered us from the eternal consequences of our sins. It rebukes the will of the flesh, stimulates us to walk after the Spirit, holds ever before the eye of faith the witness of the fathomless love of God in the death of his only begotten Son. It is the means by which God gives effect to his counsel. Without it there never would have been anything for him in this fallen world. By the encouragement which it poured into the heart of Adam he was enabled to call his wife, Eve, because she was the mother of all living. In the light of it Abel offered the acceptable sacrifice. Enoch walked with God, and Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his house. It kindled a hope in the heart of prophet and martyr that no power on earth could quench and no hell-invented instrument of torture could extinguish. It converts the sinner, establishes the saint, and judges the impenitent. It lifts up the fallen, supports the feeble, and emboldens the faint-hearted. It is God in a world that knows him not, Christ in the sphere of his rejection, and life in a spiritual necropolis. It slays the rebellious, awakes the drowsy conscience, and heals the broken heart. It is hated and feared by the devil, scorned and derided by the wiseling, and, alas, too often neglected by the sin. It is the commandment of the Father, the witness of the Son, and the sword of the Spirit. It throws light upon the beginning, makes manifest the end, and contains all we need for the present time. In Christ we see it living, in the Scriptures we have it written, and in the Spirit we have it in power. We need nothing else for spiritual light, we need nothing else for spiritual food, and we need nothing else for spiritual refreshing. 
In a word, it is the light, life, soul, sustenance, fountain and fullness of the ransomed universe. And surely we can well understand it to be all this, seeing it is the perfect expression of all that God is in his approach to men, himself revealed in Jesus, who is the living word. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape, if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. It was the Father's commandment that was spoken by the Son, and it was eternal life to all who heard it with the hearing of faith, and therefore, blessed are they that hear the word of God. And keep it Luke chapter 11 verse 28. The responsibility of hearing that word is great, and the consequences of rejecting it fearful to contemplate. See that ye refuse not him that speaks. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape, if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews chapter 12 verses 25 to 29. Let us who love that sacred name, with heart and soul divinely stirred, with holy boldness share the shame allotted to the living word. The night is cold, the darkness dense, the preaching impotent has grown, feeble and faithless the defense of that which we have heard and known. And yet with pride of heart we cry, we are the temple of the Lord. And leave the sin-sick soul to die. Without the life-imparting word. Saviour divine, we bow the knee low at thy footstool and confess that oft we ask ourselves, are we exculpate of blood guiltiness? Oh, may we hold and spread abroad that word of wonder working grace until the city of our God. We enter, and behold thy face.